0: Listening to Victory, and Labang podcast, we hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Hi everyone, good morning everybody. Can you give God a big clap offering this morning? Wow, it is such a delight to be here. Uh, You know, I've been out for a long time, so this is my first time in a long time. And I'm really happy to see all of you. I I went over here and said hi and here. But the rest of you at the back, uh, please just wave. Yay! If you're at home right now, wave at me as well. Of course, I can't see you. Okay, but please allow me to take this opportunity to thank Pastor Ariel Marquez for having me to preach uh, today. My name is Pastor Saul Huang. So in case you have forgotten who who I am, uh, this is me. That's Pastor Solomon. Uh, Anyway, uh, I just want to honor Pastor Ariel. How many of you appreciate Pastor Ariel? Yes, we appreciate Pastor Ariel. He's He's my senior pastor. He's been my coach, my friend, and a dear brother in Christ. You know, I'm honored really to be under his leadership. And truly, I'm really grateful for him. So I want to welcome all of you to our 11 a.m. service. If this is your first time, we're glad that you're here, right? Now, if you're here in the auditorium, you could turn to your neighbor and say high five. If you're at home, you could hug your, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, you know, and then say, I love you. Can, you. can you turn to your neighbor and say, I love you? Yay. Praise God. Well, anyway, as you all know, we are going through a word study on the book of Isaiah, which we've entitled Nearness. In the past weeks, the underlying lesson that we are seeing, that despite all the trials, all the struggles we have, the hardships, the frustrations, the pain, the suffering, the anguish, and other tribulations brought about by this pandemic, we are still, we understand one thing. One truth remains that God is a covenant-keeping God. You know why, right? Because God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. And His Word is truth. Amen. And because... God is faithful, His Word is true, we know that we can find comfort, we can also find courage, and we can actually draw near to Him. How many of you believe that, right? In the past three weeks, that's what, that's what we have been discussing in our sermons. But today is our fourth week uh, in this series, and I'd like everyone to stand and open their Bibles to Isaiah chapter 49, uh, starting in verse 18 until 17. Um It's been a long time, and I hope I can still read this. Uh, So I brought my eyeglasses just in case I don't get to read it. So I have to embrace reality today. Whoops! There we go. So Isaiah chapter 49, and starting in verse 8. Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out, to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syin. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not, Forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands, and your walls are continually before me, and your builders make haste, your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. This is the word of God. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. We are grateful, God that you have spoken through the prophet Isaiah, the message of restoration. Lord Jesus, we just humbly ask that you will speak to us. Lord, let everything that will come out from this mouth only come from you and from your heart. Lord, open our eyes, our spiritual eyes. Open our hearts, God, that we may receive this word today. Bless the preaching of your word and bless everyone who is watching and who is here today. In Jesus' name, we pray, and all God's people say, "Amen." Amen. You could all take your seats. God is a God of restoration. Let me repeat that: God is a God of restoration. How many of you believe this? Come on, great praise God! Almost all of us, right? But how many of you? are having a difficult time believing the statement. It's all right, okay? It's fine. There's no judgment here in church. It's okay not to be okay, right? Now, there's, there are times, but not all the time, that I myself have a difficult time believing that God can truly restore our lives. You know, just a few days ago, very, very recent, a very dear friend of mine, our dear friend um, went, went to be with the Lord. We've lost our very, very good friend. And I've known him ever since our eldest sons were like a, a year and a half old. And he's really like a brother to me. We shared many, many things in common. You know, we are of the same age. And we have, we have the same wedding date. Okay? We were married at the same day and also at the same time. And we also married uh, singers. Okay? He married a singer. I married also a singer. And our children were born at the same month. There's so many shared lives. And I cannot forget him. And because of that, I want to honor him today. He was the one who actually shared the one-to-one. How many of you went through one-to-one? Okay. He shared the gospel. He helped me grow in the Lord. He was very patient. He shared his life to me, and there's so much blessings that I have received from this person. And I wouldn't be here if not for this man. He's not just a man of words, but he was always a man of example. I won't mention his name today, but today his whole family is suffering. We were shocked to the core when we heard the news, and how much more for his wife and for his children. It's really hard to believe when somebody... Passes, someone close to you, someone dear to you passes. You know, when such a tragedy hits a family, where do you actually begin? How do you pick up the the, pick up the pieces, right? And this pandemic has caused the loss of many, many lives, not to mention our businesses, the jobs, the livelihood. Many people are suffering today, which makes this actually a very important argument. Is God truly a God of restoration? Can God still restore? What was lost? Can God still restore what was damaged? Can God still restore what was broken? And that's my prayer today. It's a, that's my hope today that God would answer us through His Word that we've read today. Amen? Amen. All right. If you, if you look at the, the, your Bible in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8, the heading or the title before the verse says, The Restoration of Israel. God's Word for the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah in this particular chapter speaks of the restoration of Israel. Now, if you look at the meaning of restoration, it simply means this. It's an act of restoring or the condition of being restored. It is bringing back to its former position or condition. And so, what that really means is this. That there was an original state, but something happened to it. Something went wrong. It got broken. It got destroyed. It was lost. It was taken away. And now, it is actually being restored to its original state or condition. Now, biblically speaking, okay? And I got this from a a, a vlog that I saw. Biblically speaking, when you talk about to restore, it means to replace, to renew, To revive or to return. Okay, I want you to remember that. Those four words, okay? To replace, to renew, to revive, or to return. So the question is today, what happened to Israel? What happened to Israel that it needed to be restored back again? What went wrong with the original plan? And the best way to answer this is, through God's covenant with this particular nation, Israel. Okay, let me take you back, all right, in the the time of Abraham. When God made a covenant to the nation of Israel, it was His promise that He made to Abraham. We all know Abraham. Without Abraham, we're not here. If you look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, it says there, and I will make of you, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is the covenant of God that he made to Abraham. And it's like, you know, you don't make a covenant on a one-way street, right? It's a two-way street. So I'm going to give you something and you will give me something. So God wants to bless you, but you ought to be a blessing. And, and Abraham, in Abraham's side, he had to be a blessing, okay? So according to this covenant, God would offer blessing of protection and a blessing of land. We all know the promised land. You all know this, right? The promised land. But they must follow and obey God to the letter. But none of Abraham's descendants were able to obey God fully. And so as a result, God had to judge them and give them up to foreign invaders who took them as a prisoner into exile. So God's people in Isaiah's time have been defeated and their temple was totally destroyed. It was in fact in ruins. They were taken in chains to Babylon. And they were alienated from their own land and most especially alienated from their own God. So the exile meant that they had lost everything. Everybody say everything. Literally everything. They do not have cars. They do not have homes. They don't have lands. They have lost their jobs. They don't have any business. They don't even live in their own land. Are you getting the whole picture? is it not the same for us today in this pandemic? We've lost a lot. They've lost loved ones. They've lost practically everything. The question is, have you lost everything in this crisis? You see, Israel's crisis was more than just losing possessions, the jobs, or even their loved ones. In fact, it was a crisis of two things, identity and faith. Why do we say that? Now, think with me for a while. They lost everything to a point that they were asking, God, are we still your children? Are we still your nation? If we are then, if we are really your children, if we are still your, your favorite nation, then why are we going through this miserable time? It made them question God. Did you ever question God? Especially in the midst of this crisis. I know I have. I have. I did it. And to some degree, I believe all of us, we all have questioned God. But what does God have to say about this? I want you to listen carefully. If you're there at home, I want you to listen to this. God can speak through our crisis as He did through the prophet of Isaiah. God still speaks even today. In fact, if you read through Isaiah Chapter 49, verses 1 to 7, he sends Israel a message of hope. Everybody say hope. Yes, it's a message of hope that all that was said in this prophecy is the hope of a servant, the hope of a Messiah, a Savior. And we all know him today as Jesus Christ, right? We all know Jesus. And in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 8 to 18, which is our main verse, this is now the picture of how God restores Israel. And if we look closely at how God is restoring Israel in this scripture, you will find how God can also restore your lives as well. So let me, let me give you my observations this morning. Okay, Number one is this. God's restoration involves time. Everybody say time. Yes. In, in verse 8, it says there, Thus says the Lord In a time of favor, I have answered you. In a a day of salvation, I have helped you. God has a specific date and time for His favor and His salvation. You see, when God restores, it is not a question of if God will restore, but when. When. In other words, there is no word for never with God. There is never a never with God. Are you hearing this? When God promises to restore, it will happen. There is surety. Even if they were sinning against God, even if God was angry, David said in Psalm 30 verse 5, he says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy... Joy comes with the morning. God will make sure that He will come. Amen. He will save. Amen. Can you give God a clap offering for that? Amen. Praise God. Second observation in how God restores Israel is this. God's restoration will always involve a purpose. Everybody say purpose. Yes. Look at verse 8. It says, I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages. In verse 9 it says, saying to the prisoners, come out to those who are in darkness appear. They shall feed along the ways on all bare heights shall be their pasture. And in verse ten, it says, they shall not hunger or thirst neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them for he who has pity on them will lead them and by springs of water will guide them wow although these verses refer to the messiah and the gospel message god was also referring to israel as a nation to be his covenant people so that they can be a blessing to all the families on the earth remember He said to Abraham, right, I will bless you so that you could be a blessing, right? This is the particular thing so that they can be a covenant people so that they can be a blessing to the families on the earth. In other words, God does not restore His blessings just for us to keep His blessings but to share it, okay? He says, I will keep you, right, and I will give you. It's quite interesting, right? Keep you and then give you, Lord It's better if you just keep me, right? Don't give me away. But this is what God is saying. I will keep you. In other words, God says, I want to keep you as a holy nation, okay? A holy priesthood, separate and distinct from the world so that you can be a blessing. And today in the New Testament, all of us as a church, we we just cannot enjoy the blessing, The blessing of worshiping here, the blessing of our salvation, the gospel, without us, the purpose for us as a church is to declare the gospel so that we can bring those people who are in darkness into a place of light so that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will come to know God. And so that all those who are lost in this life can finally see God. There is a purpose and a mission to God's restoration and third observation is this, God's restoration involves revelation. Everybody say revelation. Yep. And Let me explain this. In verse 11, it says here, And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Now, we all know that mountains are a natural elevation of the earth's surface. We all know this. But mountains in the Bible can mean two things. It can either represent God being our refuge, or it can mean obstacles or trials in life. And what's interesting about this verse is that God was saying that even the mountains of obstacles, the mountains of trials in your life, He says, well, these are my mountains. Are you hearing this? He's saying all the mountains of trials, all the obstacles that all of us are Facing all the pandemic, all the crisis, this mountain that we are facing, he says, Well, they're mine. They're not yours, but they're mine. He says, I will make my mountains a road. So, how can God actually make a mountain, how can a mountain rather be a road? In a sense, what God is saying, we need revelation. Everybody say revelation. We need to see this. We need to see, we need to have that this revelation about the mountains of trials that we are facing are in fact God's road. Everybody say road. It is God's road or His way to bring us closer to Him. You know, personally, I wouldn't have met God if not for the mountains of trials that my wife and I faced through the years. I wouldn't be a pastor today if not that. You see, restoration without revelation is meaningless. What do I mean by that? You see, God has no problem of restoring you. No, He doesn't have a problem of restoring the blessings to you. He can restore your health, your wealth, your relationships easily, but without a revelation. Without you and me understanding God's work in our life, it becomes meaningless. Are you here? Are you hearing this in the house right now? Are you hearing this? You know, if you don't have a revelation of this mountains that you are facing, you'll end up like the Israelites who is in this vicious cycle of, you know, getting blessed. After being blessed, they forget God. Then they sin against God. Then one after, after they sin against God, they then God will judge them. After God will judge them, They will cry out to God, and then God will respond and restore again, and then they're blessed again, and then the whole cycle goes over and over and over and over. That's why they never really reached the promised land in the time of Exodus, right? Which should have been taken a few days. It took them 40 years to reach the promised land because they have not seen the revelation of God. And see, that's the problem we all face today. If you see your mountains as just obstacles, You're missing the whole point. You're missing what God is doing in your life. That's what I've been missing. We need to learn from our mistakes. And often, in fact, this revelation, it really is a revelation of who we are. You know what? We get to find out that we are all self-centered. It's always about me, myself, and I, God. It's what about me? What about my needs? What about this? Then we get to find out that we are weak human beings. That we don't have really the ability. It is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. But we always think that we have that ability, but it is God. Then we finally understand that when the revelation hits us, boy, God, I realize that we really don't have control over our lives. We lost our loved ones today. I've got my fair share. I had, we lost, we lost also loved ones in our family. It goes to show that we do not control our lives. He does. That's why God makes that mountain a road so you and I can see a better revelation. That result, basically in verse 12, says Behold, these shall come from afar. And behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Zion. In other words, the idea of this is that God will bring back the captives, those who are in captivity. Do you know that when you are a victim, you are in captivity? Do you know that when you are a victim of your circumstance, when you're going through the tough times, you are a prisoner of that circumstance? And yet, when you see that revelation, the road that God puts, and, and you see basically God, what happens is that you will. See that road that leads to him, and he will draw all people back to him. The fourth observation is this. God's restoration brings worship. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. When God restores us back to Himself, there will be great joy. There will be praise. There will be worship. Because when God restores the broken, there is great comfort. When we receive the forgiveness of God, there is unspeakable joy. Psalm 103, 10 to 14 says, He has not punished us as we deserve for all our sins, for His mercy towards those who fear and honor Him as is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins from far away from us as the east is from the west. He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic to those who reverence him for he who knows we are but dust. You know, a person who has been forgiven much, he will love much. He will worship God much. Amen. And here's the tension Here's basically the argument in this scripture in verse 14. Yes, we want to believe that God is a God of restoration, right? We want to believe that. But here it is in verse 14. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And Zion here refers to Israel, a people who have lost everything. Remember, They've lost everything. They have lost their identity. They have lost their faith. A people who lost, you could just imagine, who have lost their faith in God. Did you ever lose your faith in God? Did we lose our faith in God? You see, in their unnatural circumstance, their dire predicament, it is hard to believe that God still Loves them. And listen, church. And listen also if you're at home. We cannot downplay what they are experiencing. Everything that they are saying was coming from the point of pain and anguish. Think about our time today. You know, a few weeks ago, I was counseling someone who lost her mother. Nine days later, she lost her father to covid And then she is left to take care of her brother who has special needs. And not only that, she had to move away from the residence so that they can afford this other place. And not only that, she lost her job. It was a painful thing that she questioned God. And truth is, there will be times when we will be questioning God. Has God forgotten me? Lord, did you forget about me? Did you forsake me? So how, God, how does God address that in verse 15? Now listen, can a woman forget his nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. You know, the picture of God's love and compassion is depicted in a mother's love. But even human mothers can actually forget their child. But God will never forget. Everybody say that. God will never forget. If in your home, God will never forget you. You know, it's interesting. We sang that song, all things are possible with God. Right? But there's only one thing that's not possible for God to do. And that's to forget you. And all the things that God is able to do, and all the impossibilities made possible, there's one impossibility that God cannot, you know, that God can't do, and that's to forget you. Are you hearing this? You See, God puts a divine limitation. Yes, He can do all things, but yet He says, No, among all the possible things that I can do, God says, I will not forget you. So if you're getting this in your heart today and you're listening to this, God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. In fact, the heart, the very reason, the very motivation for God in restoring the nation of Israel, for God restoring all of us here, you as well, and the whole humanity, the reason, the core, the heart, of why God wants to restore? Well, it's this. God's restoration was to show how much He loves you. Are you listening? Are you listening today? God wants to show how much He loves you. And if that is not enough to convince you, And if that's not enough to convince the nation of Israel and all humanity, the next verse is proof and evidence, according to Isaiah, of God's great love. Let me show verse 16 of Isaiah 49. It says, Behold, if you're not convinced, Behold, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually Before me. The best way to show this is this picture. He engraved your name when he died on the cross. The whole point in this is this Jesus' death on the cross is God's only way. To restore us back to Him. And the question is this. When God restores you today, when God restores you today, and when God restores you today, will you allow Him to enter your life? Will you accept Him? Will you, will you open the doors of your life and say, God, restore me and if that is a yes I want you to pray this prayer for me and it will take for you to make Jesus as your Lord and your Savior you have to invite him in okay God wants to restore you there's no question about that God wants to bless you but you need to invite him in your life saying Jesus I know my name is engraved on the palm of your hands So today, I want to give my life to you. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. And if that is you, I want you to bow down your heads. Just pray this in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you have never forgotten me. You have never forsaken me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned against you, against God. I come before You broken, needing a Savior. So today, I confess with my mouth, Jesus, You are my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life and into my heart. I will turn away from all my sins, Lord, and follow You, Lord Jesus, for the rest of my life. I believe that You died for my sins And you have forgiven me. And that you rose from the dead, proving that there is eternal life for me. So God, thank you for dying for me on that cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at